What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the 12th episode of the Playmakers Corner. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I'm Cody Stoffer. And here we're going to start a new segment that's going to span a couple weeks, talking about Colorado Playmakers. And this is our class of 2021 football edition. We're going to go position by position and just talk about the, in our opinions, the top five best players at each position for this year. And so a lot of the stuff we have, just throwing this out there, y'all probably already know this, um, was affected by COVID. And so we do acknowledge that our, that there are some players that may have not had the chance to play yet. And to be honest, may not get the chance to play yet. So we really are going off of a lot of junior film and then the limited senior film we have because it is basically cut in half. Right, Cody? Yeah, I just think about. So. Okay, yeah, so just throwing that out there. So there's that caveat. And we're calling it how we see it based on all the stats we could find, um, e- even some social media handles that we could get our hands on and some film and, uh, and some game film as well, obviously. But we're going to go ahead and go down this list. Um, Cody, why don't you take it away? All right, so the way that we're going to go through this is you know, we have our top five. So here in this first segment, we're going to talk about our numbers five and four here at Playmakers Corner. There are numbers three and two in the next segment. And we're going to end our last segment with our number one and some honorable mentions. And this list is the averaged out list between Simon and I's two top five lists. So this is like the middle ground that we have as Playmakers Corner. So kicking us off here at number five is Liam O'Brien, quarterback out of Fairview High School, Liam O'Brien, you know, uh, first off, highest GPA of any of these quarterbacks that we're looking at today, and also a shout out to, you know, athletes that are listening to this, put your GPAs in your Twitter bios and put them in your highlight reels. It makes the scouts job a lot easier. They're of course going to have to verify it, but you know, we'll definitely bring up some more examples of what to do and maybe even in the future do an episode on how to build your film. But Liam O'Brien, quarterback out of Fairview High School. We're going to do our normal, you know, strengths and weaknesses. Six foot one, 195 pounds. And, you know, he has some pretty impressive stats. 1,860 passing yards, 18 TDs to one interception. So I'm pretty sure he has the best ratio of TDs to interceptions in the state of Colorado, you know, for having at least over 100 attempts. Um, or some something around that ballpark. But for me, I'm going to talk about his weaknesses first and then end on his strengths. See if you guys can handle that curveball. One of Liam O'Brien's weaknesses is he doesn't have the best ball trajectory as far as like putting the ball where the receiver is going to be. And he puts the ball a lot of the time where the receiver is. So you'll see a lot in his film that his receivers are reaching back to catch the ball or they're turning around to catch the ball. And this is something to be expected of, you know, and Simon will bring it up too a bit later. This is a first year starter on the varsity level. So, you know, that you're expecting to see some of these kind of growing pains. I also want to say his drop back is pretty inconsistent as far as, you know, I, he's never under center. So that's one part of his film that we'll never get to see. And I think that part of like something that I like as far as having quarterbacks drop back from under center is I think it develops their drop back a lot better because O'Brien's footwork is just a little inconsistent, but it's nothing that can't be fixed 
is kind of where I was at with his weaknesses. Simon, what were some weaknesses you noticed on Liam's behalf? So here, here's the thing with Liam O'Brien, right? He's coming out of Fairview High School and in Colorado. And here, just to throw this out there, <clears throat> I'm not really like a Colorado football guy. I'm no expert yet. I will be, hopefully someday. We will be, hopefully someday, but not not quite just yet. So I'm still trying to, you know, figure out the cultures and the traditions of a lot of these teams around the state. Like, obviously, I know Texas football way more because I have more friends who are there. But with Liam O'Brien, this is my understanding that Fairview High School is one of the few, I want to say, one of the few uh, teams in the state that are very like spread air raid type of offense is that correct cody yeah for the most part at least in recent years okay cool yeah and so there's there's some weaknesses there um and then in relation to that he is a first year starter because the guy before him he was considered one of the best quarterbacks in colorado at least statistically he was probably one of the best quarterbacks in colorado in aiden atkinson myself and former the cycle 365 co-host slash playmakers corner analyst is that what we're calling him uh jesse Budin. we both got to scout uh <clears throat> aiden atkinson while he was at fairview the the predecessor before liam and so With the spread, there are always some concerns, right? Because usually there's always a player open if you're, you know, if you're commanding the offense correctly. There should always be a player open, you know, and that's the biggest deal there. And so you'll see this a lot. He's a one-read type of guy for the most part, right? He pretty much almost already knows where the ball is going to go before. And that could be a strength to a degree, but there are definitely times where you can see him stare down the receiver a bit. So he doesn't move anybody with his eyes. So that's kind of another weakness there. But um, he stares down receiver and he just kind of lets it rip. He throws it. And so he could get a little bit careless with his decisions. And Cody, you already brought this up. Ball placement's a big deal. He consistently, okay, well, I don't want to say consistently because that makes it sound like he has a big problem with it. I don't think it's that big of a problem, but it's a habit where he'll, like, you know, he'll have a receiver open, but maybe the timing's a little off or the ball comes out a little, you know, a little late or, or a little early sometimes. And he simply puts his receivers in a vulnerable position um, and they almost always get lit up. Luckily, he has great receivers because they are a spread offense, and so you can't do that without really good receivers or solid enough receivers. So he kind of gets away with a lot of those things, right? Um, which is kind, which is kind of a problem. And to be honest, this is just what I've observed because I've looked at the film for uh, a lot of these quarterbacks, and then you know, obviously, I've done film on defensive players here in Colorado as well while putting together this list. Um, I the. Shoot, I don't want to sound too critical and like, you know, like like Texas guys who think Texas football is way better. But also, I don't think there are many teams in Colorado that could even cover the spread or come close to that. I think Cherry Creek can. Um, that's one of the few schools that came up. And that was one of the only schools that actually beat Fairview in the playoffs last year uh, with an Aiden Atkinson-led Fairview offense. Um, and... Obviously, you know, they went on to win the state championship, so you can't really be mad at that. But Cherry Creek's one of the few teams. I would probably throw out Pine Creek as well. I know they've had a couple D1 uh, corners and safeties on that team. I think they had Max Lofi from last year. He ended up going to Wisconsin. They have a couple other guys who are looking at Boise State right now or are committed to Boise State. I can't remember. But in my opinion, they're just 
aren't that many defenses that could even cover the spread. Um, am I wrong there, Cody? Like, what? Uh, since you're more of a Colorado football expert, I would say, what would you say about that? Well, the spread offense is definitely <clears throat> a lot rarer here in Colorado. Yeah. Um, I didn't go up against too many spread offenses, and I haven't been a part of a bunch of spread offenses, at least in the context of Fairview, where they run it all the time. Like, that is their offensive yeah. identity. Like, usually when you spread it out, defenses aren't really ready for that. And you can see in in the tendencies of defenses that you see in Colorado being primarily cover one defenses, really. Yes. That they're just not equipped to defend the spread. Like, the, the most defenses in Colorado play cover one because they're protecting the run and the underneath throws. Mm-hmm. And then when you spread them out like that, most teams aren't ready to convert into, you know, a cover four or a cover three that's sound. And a lot of linebackers are liabilities in zone coverage in Colorado as well. So... That's why it's so effective. And, yeah, no, I definitely agree that there's not a lot of teams equipped to defend a spread offense in Colorado. Yeah, and so with that being said, I kind of count that as a weakness because, it, like, you know, obviously there's a lot to learn there with, like, plays and reads and stuff because it is a spread and there's a lot of different looks as a quarterback and there's a lot of different rats to keep in mind, so that's commendable, but... Uh, once you do get it down, though, it becomes pretty easy to dominate, I feel. And, he, you know, he's he's had some of that ease, you know? Like, he has experienced receivers, experienced O-line. Basically, with Liam O'Brien, he's a plug-and-play... He was a plug-and-play guy, right? Like, he got to sit behind Aiden for basically three years and learn this offense. So he's had a lot of time, and then he's stepping in. Um, it's a... You know, obviously, he made this list, right? So he's a good player. Like, there's no doubt about it. He's a top five quarterback in the state. Um, personally, I had him a little bit higher and whatnot. And he's a good player. It does take a bit of brain power to run the spread. But there are some very obvious advantages where, when it comes to that. And it kind of gives off system player vibes when he is just primarily working out of the spread. Um, so, yeah. And then I think... Let me see... I th- so I have one more thing on here that I don't think you mentioned. I already talked about him not being able to manipulate receivers, stuff like that. Um, but slight nitpick, I'm going to go after his pocket presence just a little bit. So he could run a little bit, but I think he, uh, he, he gets a little jittery at times, right? So either he will throw the short route, which, I mean, I guess that's discipline because it is a spread. So you either sh- throw the short route a little bit too early or he will take off and scramble a little bit too early. Personally, I'd like to see him hang in that pocket a little bit more and try to make bigger plays because it is a spread. So there's almost a guarantee that there's a receiver open 20 yards downfield at least. Uh, at least that's how it should be because that's it's an air raid offense. So with that being said, I would like him to stand the pocket a little bit more, manipulate uh, around in the pocket a little bit more. I think he does have the ability to do that and still have and still throw good balls, you know. But he just doesn't, and to me, that's a little bit of a concern. So, so those are my weaknesses slash areas improvement I'd like to see in uh, Liam O'Brien. But uh, let's let's get to the strengths. Let's get to the good stuff. Cody, do you mind if I start off and then I can hand it off to you? Go for it. Cool. So, did you mention his GPA already? Like, specifically? 4.8. There we go. 4.8 GPA, 33 ACT, and these are his junior numbers. Uh, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they haven't... 
I don't think there's been enough time yet for them to test and then get the results back if he was to test this fall. So this had to be in the spring or maybe in, even in the fall before because of what happened in the spring. So with that being said, that's insane. Um, Couldn't be me. Yeah. Yeah. So 4.8 GPA, obviously that's unweighted. So that means he is taking um, AP classes as a junior and doing really well, apparently. So there you go. 33 ACT. Uh, I made the note, this kid may be a genius and will probably, well not probably, he will be able to academically afford to go to any college in the nation. And it shows with some of the offers he has from Colorado School of Mines. Um, he is a lacrosse player too, so he has some good offers there. Uh, one is from Cornell, so all that being said, he's a smart guy. You probably don't have to worry about him academically off the field, which is really good because you can't say that about a lot of players uh on this list i would say <laughs> so there you go that's really good i would say he also has good prototypical size for a d1 player 6'1 192 i could live with that and then in addition i really like his throwing motion and his mechanics they're really smooth i don't know about you but it looks very effortless um like we already nitpicked you know his ball placement and stuff like that but Going down the field wise, he doesn't struggle with it at all. Like he has a pretty strong arm. In my opinion, not a stronger arm than Aiden Atkinson. Obviously he was a way bigger quarterback, but he has a definitely has at least a top three, top four arm in the in the state for sure. And so I really love those mechanics. Footworks usually looks pretty clean, drives the wall well drives the ball well using his hips and abs, so you don't see a lot of um you know, just him using his arm, which is what a lot of quarterbacks do. A lot of high school quarterbacks do, which is fine. That's fixable. But for him, that doesn't need to be fixed. It's there. And then I would also say most of the time he has he has pretty solid timing uh, with his throws. So he'll usually throw in rhythm. Um, he's kind of a rhythm passer in that sense. But Cody, what about you? What are some other strengths of uh, Liam O'Brien here? Yeah, so Liam O'Brien, one of the, the first strength that I noticed is he has a really fast release. He uh, does. Probably one of the best releases in the state. And, you know, that's a pretty common problem, I'd say, amongst high school quarterbacks is the motion that their arm goes through to release the ball. But O'Brien doesn't have that problem. It goes straight up and straight out. Um, he doesn't hold the ball super low like we've seen with some players that we'll talk about, you know. It, it's it, He holds it up high, and it doesn't have to go much further before he releases it. And it has some zip on it too, so it doesn't take long to release it, and it doesn't take long for it to get there. Uh, those are both huge, huge things. And you know, if I'm a college coach, kind of looking at it right, then I know that I have some flexibility as far as like what uh, plays I can call because I don't need my line to block for three seconds. Because Liam O'Brien can catch the ball and throw it in less than two yep. a lot of the time. Agreed. I also want to say. I don't want to contradict, but I do think that he steps up in the pocket very well. Sure. As far as, you know, like a lot of these quarterbacks, they just keep stepping backwards and stepping backwards when the pocket's collapsing from the outside. Liam O'Brien does a good job of at least stepping forward in the pocket. He yep. doesn't manipulate it as well side to side as a lot of other players do, but he is very good at stepping up where his guards and centers are handling their business down in the middle and just letting the ends run around him. So that's really impressive to see. And then, you know, that pairs really nicely with his quick release, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I also want to say he's pretty comfortable throwing on the run as well. You know, a lot of 
I, and I say with with the direction that football is heading, you almost need to throw on the run. It's starting to become like outdated in like the long term to be a co- quarterback that stands in one place all the time. Yeah. So seeing him do that uh, <laughs> does elicit some hope, and you know, it, it leaves me with the thought that yeah, Liam O'Brien he could play some college football for sure. Um, but yeah, those were the biggest strengths that I noticed from him was. Stepping up in the pocket, comfortable throwing on the run, and really, really fast release. And I'd say as far as outlook, Simon, you and I were talking about this a little bit. I definitely think he's at least an FCS guy. A starter, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I wouldn't mind. Like, I think he could be a first-year starter, but I also wouldn't mind redshirting him. Uh, you know, if yeah. you have that flexibility at the FCS level. Um, but I definitely think he could come in and compete for a starting job as a freshman. I would hope that maybe he has like a couple more inches to grow, but sure. what can you do about yeah. that really? I mean, so. yeah, 6'1", what, what was it, 195? Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. You could even take off an inch in like 10 pounds, and that's still better than a lot of quarterbacks. So, yeah, I think that's really solid. And... To talk, so to talk about your point about how he could start year one or compete to start year one, but he should redshirt, I think it's important to keep in mind that he is a first-year starter during the COVID era, as we're going to start calling it from now on. And so he did lead Fairview to a extremely, not even extremely, probably an overly impressive 6-0 record. I don't think really anybody in the state expected Fairview to go 6-0. So that means... He really hasn't had that much time to, like, you know, take snaps, go through reps, do all that stuff. Most of this stuff is stuff he either already knew or he's kind of learning as it goes. And so that's really impressive. 6-0 during the COVID era. Uh, Taking up after Aiden Atkinson, who was a very good quarterback as well. So there's already pressure there. Uh, And he was on pace. I mean, obviously, you can't compare, you know, Liam's numbers to Aiden's numbers. But... If you want to do the math, he was on pace to throw slightly less touchdowns and interceptions, but still pretty close because Aiden threw like 50-something touchdowns last year. Uh, So there you go. And then, like I said, he is running the spread, which is one of the most complicated offenses um, anywhere. You know, it's one of the most complicated offenses anywhere. It's not exactly the easiest thing to pick up, but he has picked it up. And the small amount of time he has. And to me, that shows just a lot of upside to him. It shows that he could probably step into any situation, compete, be flexible, uh, command a team, um, and make plays happen. You know, be a playmaker. And so I, I like having him here. And I think there's a lot of improvement that he can make here since he is basically really just thinking about it. He will be a first year high school starting quarterback coming out of coming out of high school as a senior which is super impressive um biggest thing i would like to see though moving forward i'd like to see him do really well against a cherry creek type of team or actually no against cherry creek i want to see him and fairview beat cherry creek then i would be sold and i could see him move even a couple spots on this list if that could happen and playoffs started today as of, well, I guess it started yesterday, as of November 20th, and so by the time this episode releases, it will be the second round of the playoffs, of the Colorado playoffs, and I don't think Fairview played, shoot, I don't want to misquote that, uh, I don't think they played this week, but if they do, they should win, 
because they're a high seed, and we should see them uh, this this upcoming weekend. So yeah, just had to throw that out there. Sorry, I know that was kind of a lot, but go on. <laughs> no, for sure. But uh, if that's all that you have on Liam O'Brien, then I think we could move to our number four guy here. Go ahead. And our number four quarterback of Colorado high school football is Griffin Loritano out of Evergreen High School. Forgotten for a second, but uh, Griffin, he's a pretty special quarterback. You know, six foot four, two hundred pounds, pretty, pretty typical size, three eight GPA, and you know he's kind of a little under the radar just because you know he is a three A guy. You know, a lot of the most of these quarterbacks are four A or even five A, but. You know, it's really hard to miss somebody who throws, you know, 12 TDs to two picks and also does some damage on the ground. Griffin is, and I was talking to Simon about this before the show as well, Griffin is probably the second most mechanically sound quarterback in the state of Colorado, at least in my opinion. Sure. Um, He's super good, and you know what? I'm just going to jump into the strengths right now because I'm already talking about it. He has phenomenal mechanics we've seen it a few times especially on like rollout plays where if he's rolling out to the left he is able to swiftly and efficiently flip his shoulders and flip his hips before planting his feet and delivering a throw a lot of these quarterbacks their feet either end up off the ground or they don't plant before they throw but griffin does that on almost all of his throws so he really impressed me in that way and you know, he's also very good. You can watch, you know, his, on his highlights, and we should be able to put their highlight reels into the uh, descriptions or at least their huddle pages of our podcast notes. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, he is very good at actually making reads. You know, we talked, Simon talked about it with Liam that, you know, he, he kind of falls into that category of being a one read quarterback. And there's some other guys on here who kind of fall into that whole of you know they make one read or one step and then throw and we'll talk about that too with some guys that just miss the cut as well but griffin doesn't do that he's able to go through his progressions which is super you know uh cognitive at this level uh, of play and you know evergreen they they play some pretty decent 3a teams and they consistently put out a solid squad but Man, the receivers at Evergreen are really rough, and you can see it on the highlight reel with all the drops, but Griffin still manages to put up the numbers that he has, and I'd say that, I wouldn't say that they'd be doubled, but I'd see like a 25% increase if they caught some pretty easy passes um, a decent amount of the time. And also Griffin, he has great touch on his passes. You know, he is able to put a lot of arc and... You know, the passes just fall into the receiver's hands, you know. There's certainly people with way more velocity in the state, but as far as being able to throw good over-the-shoulder throws and just put enough mustard on it to get it over the linebackers but fall in front of the safeties, Griffin is phenomenal at that. So those are the biggest strengths that I saw from Griffin were his ability to make reads and his great touch throws. That, And I'd even argue that those two are possible because of how solid his mechanics are his dropbacks, his release, the whole nine. Simon, what were some things that you noticed when watching Griffin Loritano's film? <clears throat> well, first things first, I agree with everything you say. Um, 
I, and I'm gonna throw this out there too. I think Griffin Loretano. I really, we really hope you're we're saying your name right, Griffin. We don't mean any disrespect. Also, feel free to come onto the show if you want to. But, True. but, but I legitimately think he might be. How should I say this? He might be one of the bigger dark horse quarterback candidates in the state. Uh, I won't say he is the dark horse candidate in the state. I would say he is on this list. He's probably the second one. So we have two dark horse candidates, but uh, he's just a little bit lesser, I would say. But he's very underrated. He, I don't want to bash on Evergreen or anything too crazy, but yeah, there were times where you could, you know, this is just something you notice when you watch enough film. But when people start cutting out like, like mid. I guess you would say mid play, so like the quarterback would make the throw, and then they don't show whether the receiver catches it or runs with it. It's probably because they dropped it or they fumbled it or they didn't score, and that's usually how it went. And there were, there were a lot of those too. Um, and then there are some in there that he included where he he just threw an absolute dime and they would drop it, and it killed me to see it. And so, the fact that he's on this list, doing what he can with what he has, uh, that's a big deal. That's a big deal in my opinion. He's a he's a playmaker for sure. I love his ball placement. Like he he threads the needle a lot. I wouldn't say maybe he has the strongest arm in the state. Uh, I I mean you know, I'd say top fifteen strongest arms. Like just strength wise, I'm saying power wise, power wise. Yeah yeah, power wise, I would say that. But it's solid enough, you know. Like he could definitely go D one with uh with his arm power, you know. So there's that, but he just has excellent timing with it. Mechanics are very good, and yeah, I mean, also he could run a little bit too. He could run a little bit. Also, isn't he a lefty as well? I don't know if you mentioned that or not. Oh no, no. whoops, never mind. I was thinking of somebody else. So never mind. But yeah, just very solid mechanics all the way through. Uh, footwork is solid in my opinion. And yeah, I think he's very overlooked. I really don't want to echo too much because I feel like that's a bit repetitive. But yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, plus a little bit more. He was carrying this team. You could, you could tell. Yeah. I don't know if you brought up the record yet, or if you found the record, but no. But he did run for eight touchdowns as well. So there he has twenty touchdowns to his name. Yeah. So he's he's doing more than enough of his share. He's carrying the team. So. Those are all things to keep in mind. Plus, love the prototypical frame. 6'4", is what you said? Yeah, 6'4", 200. Yeah, I like that. He could still grow a bit into that, too. So, yeah. You you mind if I hop into some weaknesses? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, So and I feel like Simon's also going to echo a lot of my sentiment on these weaknesses as well. Because we actually watched Griffin's film together uh, versus some of, most of these other guys where we watched it separate. But... He doesn't have a lot of velocity. I talked about it a little bit when talking about his strengths, but he doesn't have a lot of zing on his on his fastball, uh, especially over the middle. You could see that becoming a problem where, yeah. you know, maybe the ball doesn't get there fast enough and linebackers at the next level will have a chance to make a play on that ball. Uh, so, and that kind of also feeds into another weakness, which is, um, you know, he he's playing in 3A. So... You, you have to, like, kind of take what he's doing with just, like, a grain of salt. But, and then Simon talked about he can run a little bit, but we also discussed that he's not, I put that he's not impressively fast. Um, I don't think that, he's definitely not a dual threat in the same sense that some of these other cats on this list are. 
Um, it's more like he he's a throw first, and if you need him to, he could run a little bit kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I was going to say is he also doesn't have super great pocket movement. Yeah. Uh, he almost never steps up in the pocket. He'll just keep backpedaling until the edges get there. Or, you know, he doesn't move left to right or side to side. So he just basically runs backwards 10 yards and then moves up the field and then plants his feet, granted, but uh, you definitely want to see a bit more of a cerebral side as far as stepping up in the pocket and having some more physical awareness of the players around him. Yeah, for sure. Do you want me to add on to that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I I agree with all that. I think... Uh, so breaking down his arm power a little bit more, I do think he relies a little bit more on his arm um, to make those throws, which is what a lot of high schooler does, high schoolers do. And that might not sound like it makes sense, but just just hear me out for a second. So I did talk about with Liam O'Brien how you could see him engage his hips, his uh, abs, and all that when he throws, right? And so that's shifting that momentum using a lot more of your body rather than just your arm. Also, it, mechanically speaking or maybe not mechanically speaking, uh, maintenance-wise speaking, it puts a lot less stress on that arm over time. And so the thing with Griffin, he does he uses his arm a lot with that. He doesn't step in. He doesn't drive the ball as well as I'd like him to. And this isn't really... Like, Liam O'Brien's arm is good, um, but to be honest, it's probably just slightly stronger just because he has better mechanics than uh, Griffin here. And so with Griffin, I'd really like to see him get into more of a habit or get more disciplined in using his hips, uh, using his abs, using his lower body to throw. I know, Cody, you know this meme. You saw that meme of Dak, like, you know, doing the little thing with his hip, right? Yeah. So he does that a lot of, it's not just Dak that does that. A lot of quarterbacks do that so they could get that hip loose so that they could open it up because a lot of that power is just that hip like snapping, twisting, and throwing the ball forward and driving it forward. And he just doesn't really have that, I would say. And so, um, you know, probably building up strength there would probably be something I'd like to see uh, in him as well. Strength as in like strength in his abs, hips, and whatnot. Just having that ability to snap the ball forward like that or snap your body forward in a way, which in turn snaps the ball forward when he's throwing it. Abs a lot more... It usually adds a lot more zip to it, plus, you know, your arm power, which you already have. So that's something I feel like not a lot of young quarterbacks have. They think like, oh, if I do all these bicep curls or, you know, like arm exercises, then I'll get a stronger arm, which sometimes it does. But most of the time, it's just like you got to have good mechanics, um, hips and down, you know. And so that's something I'd really like to see him work on. You already mentioned pocket presence. I won't go into that. And then, I'm, you, are, you also mentioned the competition. I won't go into that too much either. I think the only other thing I really have is just improvising. Um, he could improvise a little bit. Like, he could throw on the run. He could do all that stuff. I just don't think he's much of a threat when he is improvising. Also, I don't think he's much of a threat when he's running. On the next level, I could definitely I could definitely see defensive, coordinator, defensive coordinators saying like, hey, you know, he could run a little bit, but at most, he's a three, maybe four yards a carry type of guy if you let him. And I'll tell you right now, DCs could live with three or four yards from the quarterback, you know. Um, and that's just, 
you don't even have to play contain on that. That's just natural defense. So there's that. So lack of improvisation, lack of, uh, I mean, running ability. Those are def- definitely knocks just because, like you said, Cody, nowadays, you know, um, pe- coaches are looking for much more mobile quarterbacks. So much more, I, I should say, maybe quarterbacks who are more of a threat running the ball. So. Yeah. So what, what do you see as an outlook for Griffin? And uh, keep in mind, I don't know too much about his commitment status, but yeah. apparently he's also a big basketball player as well. Right, and he's we'll, 6'4". We'll, yeah, so, and like an all-conference kind of guy. So what do you see his outlook on being a football quarterback? I He's not a power five guy. I just got to throw that out there. He's not a power five quarterback just based on what I've seen right now, based on his junior highlights, senior highlights, um, and then game film. I don't personally think so just yet. I think he has the potential to do so, but if he was to do so, he'd have to walk onto a solid program, you know, take those years, like redshirt, take those years to learn, do all that stuff, and then that might be a little bit different. You never know. There's a lot there, you know, um, but projecting outwards wise based on what we have right now i think he's in he's a solid fcs starter not a maybe not as an underclassman definitely not as a freshman just yet because there are mechanical things to work on and uh mental things to work on too because he did play through a football so it's not like he's seeing many confusing defenses if any at all so there's that um but i think he is an fcs d1 guy maybe a d2 guy which isn't bad. You could still get full scholarships for D2. But that's what. That's just how I see it right now. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, what about I, you? I, def- I easily think he could play Division II football. I also think that he could handle FCS football. I think he's definitely somebody who can develop. And, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, with red shirt opportunities and stuff like that. I could see him even playing in not a power five, but you know, something like the American conference or, you know, even I could see him being a mountain West quarterback, uh, even at the rate that he's at, you know, with just his frame and, um, you know, his ability to make reads alone. And I would really like to see Griffin play with some, some skill position talent. That's a bit closer to his, if that makes sense. So like, receivers that catch the ball oh yeah and 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 make plays i think reliable players is what you're saying yeah just not even like not even crazy like not elite players but just reliable ones because i wonder how different um you know how much he would like to improvise maybe if he can count on receivers moving with him and stuff like that agreed so that's definitely my outlook on griffin um but yeah, you know, th- those are our those are our, uh, FCS guys, and uh, you know, some of our you know our number five and four. And if we're done here, then you can catch us on the next segment talking about three and two, and those are some guys that can improvise. All right, all right. Welcome back to the twelfth episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. Here we're going to continue on our list of playmakers from Colorado class of 2021 football edition. So coming in at number three. So I, in the last segment, I I briefly mentioned this. I briefly mentioned how we might have two dark horses on this team. 
and I I still believe it. This is someone that I personally like a ton. Um, and he kind of comes from a smaller school, all that, no stars at all. And that's Jordan Wolverton out of Durango High School, a dual threat, 6'2", 190. Uh, as of now, no stars. He has a walk-on offer from CU, which I think is his best offer. And that's of, I think that's of today, November 21st, 2020. And then he has offers from CSU Pueblo, Pittsburgh State, West Texas A&M. Um, Durango High School is, I believe they're 3A, right? I thought they were 2A for a little bit, but yes, they are 3A. And so, um, you know, maybe not the best talent, but Jordan Wolver Wolverton is definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the state, no doubt. Um, I think there's kind of a big jump between Jordan and some of these other guys on the list like Liam, uh, Griffin, and then some of our honorable mentions as well. Because Jordan, he's just... Oh, man. He's a fantastic athlete, first off. He has a rocket arm. And then he has a very good ability to run. We brought this up with... We brought this up with Griffin. How he's not... I don't know. He's not necessarily a threat to run. But Jordan, I would say, is a threat to run. Uh, if you give him... He takes a little bit of time to, like, you know... I guess... How should I say this? get it going running wise like he needs a little bit of a uh, runway but once he gets going and he starts hitting that top speed like in open field he's gone he's somebody who could bring it 50 yards to the house and then just as well throwing 50 yards to the house just as well uh in addition with this throwing he has incredible touch on his throws when throwing on the run he's a fantastic improviser um he i know this year he durango high, high school really struggled with injuries i believe they really they lost a lot of players so this year his senior year he was really struggling at times but that's mostly because of the talent around him but he still found a way to improvise and by improvise it wasn't like oh yeah like he could run out of the pocket and throw it for five or six yards or gain five or six yards like no like this is somebody who either way you know he can make a big play and i'm talking 20 plus yard plays you know, throwing or running the ball. So there's great improvisation there. He's he's a, he's pretty crafty too, pretty shifty I would say as well. He has a very beautiful deep ball. His mechanics are so good, uh, in my opinion. And so his deep ball looks so effortless at times. Like he'll hit his receivers in strides, and it looks fantastic. Um, he makes a lot of like I already mentioned this. He makes a lot of great plays uh, when the pocket breaks down. Makes great plays under pressure. Makes plays when there's no pressure at all. And then I would also say that he is... Uh, he's a very slippery runner. I kind of mentioned this as well, but he's hes hard to tackle. Let's just be honest. He's hard to tackle. He's not quite like a physical, like, Mack truck type of running quarterback, but he's slippery. If you don't wrap him up, like, he's gonna, you know, he just needs a little bit of a glimpse and he'll break it, you know? And so he's very flexible in that manner as well. I also think he has a very solid base when throwing the ball. Uh, that is the lower body down, and he drives the ball usually well with his hips and abs, um, and, you know, he makes it pretty effortless. He, ha he has a very good habit of using his lower body when throwing the ball as well. But, Cody, what are some strengths strengths that you have of Jordan Wolverton? Yeah, I'll try, I'll try not to uh, be a broken record too much as far as repeating things that you said, but, you know, I think he's 
arguably the best dual threat quarterback in the state of Colorado. His yeah. legs are super dangerous. And you also said he's hard to bring down. I think part of that is he's just really strong in his lower body. A lot of the time people have him around the hips, but he just keeps moving his legs and eventually shakes people off. So, you know, he's he's just really strong in his lower body. And he's not a super big guy. I mean, 6'2 is a solid size, but 195 pounds, you know, that's that's down there with some of the smaller quarterbacks on this list. Sure. It's, it's in the bottom half of weight. So, you know, like you said, he's not going to plow through anybody, but he's not going to be stopped by one guy either. I feel like I almost never saw him get tackled by one person. Um, and then I also want to say that he has really good touch on his throws. Um, he, he completed some passes that just like kind of blew my mind as far as, you know, just sailing it past the safety and the corner where only his receiver could make a play on it. Uh, I also just want to mention that he led Durango to a 6-0 record this year during the COVID era. Jeez. So that's super impressive. And they they have some pretty decent teams as far as like in their 3A league. And they went 3-0 in league as well. Um, and, and I also want to say that his junior year, which is most of the film that I watched because there's a lot more of it. Yeah. He, he has enough... He, he has enough... Uh, zip on his throws to not get intercepted. Where he'll, he'll squeeze it into really tight spaces as well. And... Um, yeah, he's just... He's so... In six games this year, he scored 11 touchdowns. Six to the air, five on the ground. And he has 78 career touchdowns. Yeah. He's been That's starting a for lot. a while. That's a lot of touchdowns oh, yeah. for, for a football player in high school. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and, and you could even make an argument that if there was a full season this year, that he could have pushed for 100 touchdowns in four years of high school ball, which is insane. He's also been a 1,000-yard rusher before, which if that doesn't yeah. tell you how... And he's elusive, too. Like, he can stick his leg in the ground and make cuts. And oh, yeah. he made some defensive backs look silly. Oh, yeah. So that that was really impressive to see. You know, he's super dangerous with his legs, hard to bring down, and they're definitely the strongest part of his game, I'd say, is his legs. Whether he's stepping forward or, you know, whether he's making a cut or whether he's driving through a defender. Mm-hmm. No. Definitely agreed. I did not know they went 6-0. That's crazy because I know they were – I read a couple articles where they were missing linemen, running backs, receivers. So that, that kind of adds more to, I guess, his leadership intangibles there as well if you want to look at it that way. So that's very impressive actually. Uh, Jordan actually also might be maybe our most seasoned quarterback here. I think he, he, was, he was a three-year starter. And so I'm trying to think about it on this list. He might be the most seasoned quarterback. So far, I think he definitely is the most seasoned quarterback because Liam only played one year. Liam O'Brien only played one year. And then Griffin Loritano. I think he was a, was he a sophomore. He, he saw some time as a sophomore, but I don't think he was a full-time guy. Yeah, okay. And so there's the difference there. Jordan's been starting since his sophomore year, I'm pretty sure. So, um, like, I think the beginning as well. Saw so. snaps as a freshman as well. Jordan did. Oh, Jordan did? Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I got you. Yeah? So there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, do you want to go move on to the negatives or areas of improvements here? Yeah, sure. Do you mind if I... Go for it, yeah. Grab the wheel on this one. So I will say, as far as watching the Durango film, that there's not a lot of diversity in the play calls. No. So obviously that that's kind of like a red flag 
and that's not even necessarily something against Jordan, but it is something to consider as a scout where it's like, man, they're kind of running... They're basically running like all goes, and if somebody's open, then Jordan's throwing it, and if somebody's not, then he's just running, you know? Where it's just like, it's either a quarterback draw or it's a Hail Mary uh, a lot of the time, or, or the concepts are just like really simple flood concepts. He doesn't have to make a lot of reads, I don't think, in this yeah. offense. So, you know... That's something that is a little concerning, especially, like, college playbooks start to get pretty big. Yeah. So, you know, seeing seeing people, you know, be able to run multiple plays or multiple formations is always something that I look forward to. And I think that's part of the reason why I like number two and one so much is because of part, – part, partially because of the offenses that they're able to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that also his footwork can get – kind of clunky on anything past a one or two step drop yeah for sure. so you know there but that's you know a, a lot of these a lot of high school players aren't going to have phenomenal footwork coming out of high school but the fortunate thing for that is it's super easy to fix so that that's not something too much to worry about and i think part of that is just jordan's feet are never really set because that's just not the game that's played at durango no you know he's either going to take one step and throw it or he's going to take one step and run it so that's once again kind of the offensive uh, scheme playing into you know his strengths and weaknesses as a quarterback, and then also and I just want to and man they're kind of all under the same umbrella for me really is it doesn't look like he's ever been coached to plant his feet no because he never never plants his feet and I'm not counting one or two step drops yeah yeah because that's obviously. like you catch the ball and you throw it. But yeah, he his feet are always like off the ground, or his body's always twisted and mangled, and he gets the ball there because you know he he has a pretty good arm and arm he, talent, he, yeah. and he and he's able to manipulate his body, oh, yeah. right? Just because he's really athletic and you know it looks like he takes care of his body, but you can't, you're not going to be able to get away with that on the next level as much. So I definitely those are some red flags that I saw. And a lot of it comes from just like, you know, I I don't know if the staff so much has prepared Jordan for the next level of football. Yeah, and I can't, I mean, this isn't like a hit on Durango High School or Jordan or anything. That's just, I mean, you know, Durango is like a smaller town, right? At least that's how I understand it. I've never been there. But it's a smaller town and whatnot. So, I mean, like, there's not much you could do there, right? Like, that's just, that's the situation you're put in, right? So, but I, I get what you're saying, though. So, yeah. Okay. Do you have anything else to add on to that? Uh, no, I think you can go ahead and take over. Yeah, so, a lot of the same things. Uh, one note I made about his pocket presence, specifically his footwork in the pocket, uh, yeah, it does need work. Because, well, first things first, his awareness all together needs work. Because I don't know if he senses pressure well honestly like sometimes he just looks a little bit oblivious to it and that's a little bit of a problem so that needs a bit of work just sensing pressure all that stuff uh and then when he's moving in the pocket it's not like it's not like he's moving up in the pocket in the in the traditional way that he should be so when he's moving up in the pocket, it looks like he's more like running up in the pocket, like scrambling upwards in the pocket, looking to throw, but in a running stance, rather than like shuffling his feet, climbing the pocket, 
bam, finding somebody, you know, extending the play, manipulating the pocket in that way as well. Um, he just doesn't do that, you know, and his, like, you already brought this up, his footwork gets tangled up. It looks real clunky, and, you know, he uses his arm to bail himself out of uh, situations, which is good, because it shows that his arm talent is exceptional, but, you know, on the next level, you gotta get a little bit more discipline there, and so that's where he's a bit raw at. In addition, his throwing mechanics, I talked about how his lower body throwing mechanics are good, but in my opinion, his upper body throwing mechanics needs a little bit of work so that it's durable moving forward. He has a baseball background, so... <laughs> so this is just something that comes up a lot, but baseball players usually have very clunky like throwing mechanics because they throw footballs like baseball sometimes. Kyler Murray is probably one of the only guys who doesn't have as clunky a throwing motion uh, being a baseball player and whatnot, but he needs to work on that. I'd like to see some minor tweaks. Um, I'm not a quarterback coach, so I can't, so I'm not going to go into what those minor tweaks are, but I'd like to see some refinement there as well. Uh, in addition, he just has a very long release. Like, usually it's not the biggest deal. Carson Wentz has a very long release in the NFL, and he works out just fine and whatnot. But it's just something to keep in mind. Sometimes It's just a little bit elongated, in my opinion. So, all that being said, I agree with everything you said. I agree he doesn't throw a very wide variety of routes. He'll probably struggle against tougher defenses. Uh, but just altogether, he's a talent, right? He's somebody who's very raw. But he's definitely a dark horse candidate uh, when it comes to being easily the best quarterback in Colorado. Maybe even this side of the country if you want to go that far. Um, but yeah, very underrated. No stars, like I said, his best offer is from CU. And so let's talk about moving forward, uh, the outlook on him and his career. And so, do you mind if I go first here? So I think Jordan deserves much better offers than what he has right now. I think because of uh, COVID and playing in the COVID era and all that stuff... He has offers that are, uh, I would say, maybe not as fitting to his talent. So at all the places where he goes to right now, even that walk-on offer at CU, I think he's better than most of than all of those offers by by quite a bit, in my opinion. I think just looking at him, um, he's not somebody you could play right away. I'm not saying that, but I think he's somebody that has a very very high ceiling. High enough where I could see him even becoming maybe an NFL guy someday. Maybe even a starter someday if he lands in the right situation. But that's a big if. Uh, because he just doesn't have those offers right now. And so I would say he would probably benefit more from having a longer season. Where scouts could watch more games. But unfortunately he doesn't. And so the film you have now is is what we got. you know. And that's unfortunate. But... I do think he is a Power 5 quarterback easily. I think he could start as a Power 5 quarterback if he redshirted. And I think that redshirt's a must. It's not optional. I think he needs the redshirt to do that. So, yeah. So, I, I obviously think very highly of this kid. And I think he could honestly be... I don't know. He could be a very cool success story a couple years, five or six years from now. Maybe even an NFL prospect. So... A top NFL prospect at that. But what do you think, Cody, about Jordan Wolverton right here? Uh, moving forward. You know, I think Jordan Wolverton is, you know, I, I think that talking about Jordan Wolverton so soon after our JUCO series kind of gives me the idea that, you know, if his best offer is a preferred walk-on to CU where he's not going to get a chance to play, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's not going to play as a freshman. I think... 
Jordan Wolverton is the perfect example of a quarterback who could go to a JUCO, play a full season, right? Exactly. You know, during the fall as a freshman, get plenty of time, get some good film, put up some insane numbers, because I think he is that talented to dominate JUCO. Oh, yeah. Or at least, you know, put up respectable numbers, and then get a better offer from there. I really think that, you know, the box that he was stuck in at 3A in the Durango system is probably the biggest thing holding him back for scouts. I think if he goes into another system and he plays against some college talent and he has a solid year there, and I think he could even have a phenomenal year in JUCO, by the way. I think that's totally possible. And then transferring, I think that is the best possible route that Jordan could take to landing at a Power 5 school. Um, I really think that's his best bet. And, you know, I I think that a lot of JUCOs would love to have him. I also think that, you know, if he ends up with a D2 offer, I think that's probably the best kind of, like, actual scholarship offer that he'll probably get right now. Sure. Um, I say he only takes it if he can start year one, if I'm being completely honest, because I think the sooner he gets more film out against higher-level uh, competition, the better. the better his outlook looks for going Division One. I. I agree. Do you, okay, so I gotta ask you this. Uh, so we're filming or filming. We're recording in Greeley right now uh, at UNC. Well, not at UNC, but close to UNC, literally down the block. Do you think he could start day one at an FCS school, say UNC? I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. Now, okay. I also think it's fair to acknowledge that we've seen some pretty painful quarterback play in the past <laughs> in the okay. past few years at UNC and I think he'd be dynamic but I really think that another thing that kind of makes me think that D2 or JUCO is a better idea than FCS mm-hmm. is I just I don't really see an FCS school giving him starting time right from the get-go and I think that the speed of the game I don't want him to be overwhelmed too soon sure. because of how high his ceiling is so I think that's why JUCO or Division Two, I think would be better, is because it's not this Division One football speed is light years ahead of high school. Yeah. And so I think that the best thing for Jordan is to go through that progression where, you know, I think that JUCO or Division Two is the next step of speed, you know, like quote, speed of the game. And, you know, it won't be too fast for him. Okay. And he'll get those starts in me. I think, I, I just really want to see him on the field sooner than later. Because I think the sooner he's on the field, the wider his window is. But the more he has to wait, the more his window closes. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. If I'm UNC, I would offer Jordan Wolverton a full-ride scholarship as soon as possible. I'm just going to be honest. Like, no half scholarships, no preferred walk-ons because you can't compete with CU. I, I, I could say this because I graduated from here. You can't, really can't compete with Boulder, so that's honest. Well, that's objectively true. Okay, <laughs> but but with that being said, I think UNC should offer him a full ride. Um, he's not going to be able to start right away, but redshirt him, even give him another year because I know they have a couple quarterbacks on the roster already, so you have to do that. And then I do believe... If given the right opportunities, if he progresses right away, you know, and he is on a full ride, he has that, you know, security. I do think he could win UNC the Big Sky. I'll be honest, the Big Sky Conference, the our, that's our FCS conference, and make it in. Uh, the Big Sky is not like the craziest FCS, like it's not, 
you know, I guess super comparable to like North Dakota State in that conference because that's that's a little bit more. But I think it's it's a solid middle ground for Jordan here. And I think if UNC was to offer him, I think you should take that offer, play for Ed McCaffrey. You know what he did with all of his sons. And then um, see what happens. Kyle Sloter made it. And we didn't have the best. We didn't have great coaching even. So we have talent though. As shown in our uh, breakdowns before. Uh, check out those uh, Martin Ibarra and Sam Flowers uh, Juco breakdowns if you haven't yet. Interviews too. So, But that's all I got to say about Jordan. I don't want to rant too long on that. Yeah. No, I definitely think that FCS wise he is an upperclassman starter for sure oh yeah uh, so redshirt oh, yeah. junior or you know maybe redshirt sophomore but i think as a junior um that that he would excel in that situation oh, given yeah. that time oh yeah especially with a coach like ed mccaffrey i think that's it i think i think that's a good spot too also unc's defense is solid so it's not like he has to do everything either like he did for durango so yeah. there you go but i think uh if that does it for Jordan here, that brings us to our number two quarterback. And, uh, hey, listeners, try not to jump the gun on who you think number one is when we say number two. But I feel like that might make it obvious. But number two here, <laughs> we have Smoky Hills quarterback Leslie Richardson the third. Absolutely so much fun to watch, I'd say. Uh, probably one of the most – probably, like, the most fun I had watching a player during this whole film breakdown – Six foot four, 210 pounds. And, you know, we were thinking of starting with the weaknesses here because he has some, but it's really fun to talk about the strengths heading into the break. So, Leslie Richardson, weaknesses. The footwork needs a lot of work. Uh, and you could see that just against, you know, uh, one of the things about Smoky Hill, for those who don't know, and I, I can say this because I never lost to Smoky Hill in my four years at Arapaho High School <laughs> in the Centennial League, they don't have a lot of talent. Um, so Leslie Richardson, a lot of the things that he's doing, he's doing by himself, basically. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> when, when he goes to the next level, there's going to have to maybe be like a cool down year. Uh, where he's just not like thinking that he has to run for dear life all the time because his line gets blown back on almost every single play in the Smoky Hill film and you could see it in his footwork because you know he'll get a little jittery and he'll throw off his back foot a lot um, he'll throw and mangle his body all kinds of all kinds of ways uh, on the run you know so I definitely think that you know the footwork and the release both need work especially like stepping into throws. But I think part of that can be solved because he doesn't get the chance to step into his throws basically ever. Uh, Simon was talking, Leslie Richardson is a high school quarterback who throws with his arm out of necessity because the house is burning down every single time he steps back to throw, especially when he's under center. Oh my gosh. I literally don't know how he ever gets passes off under center. <laughs> Because the defensive linemen are as fast as the play is happening. And then, you know, I'm kind of nitpicking here a lot with Leslie Richardson. I think Leslie Richardson is super talented. I definitely think that he's he could be an NFL talent, you know, potentially. But to, fit, to wrap up his weaknesses here, you know, 
he he is caught doing a bit too much sometimes and we saw it this year you know Smokey Hill missed out on the playoffs unfortunately and I think that makes Leslie Richardson one of the best players to not have made the playoffs yeah and part of that was a loss against my alma mater Arapahoe High School where he threw three interceptions and had a fumble uh he threw for four touchdowns as well but he turned the ball over four times just kept Arapahoe in the game too long and you know, Arapaho, you know, they're, they're usually like a solid program, but they're not a four turnover force kind of defense is, is what I'd say. And, you know, for that to happen against that kind of opponent is definitely pretty concerning. But at the same time, I'm trying to show understanding to Leslie that he just really doesn't have a lot of help. Um. <clears throat> I know that's not my usual three weaknesses. Well, it kind of is because his release needs to be tuned up a little bit more and his footwork needs to be tuned up a lot more. But he has a lot of raw physical tools that really put him this high. But I'll let Simon talk about weaknesses that he saw in Leslie Richardson's film. Yeah, for sure. I agree with all those. Um, So talking about or adding on to he may have the tendency to do a little bit too much um, that's, that's actually kind of a bigger problem. I'm not going to lie. Like that there, there are habits that are formed in those. I don't know when he started, uh, starting, but there are habits formed in those two or three years that will be hard to shake. I'm just going to be honest. Um, it's, you know, two or three year habits. You can't, you usually don't shake those in one or even two years. So it might take some time. It will probably, it will take some time with that uh, and there's a lot of habits that he needs to shake one of those being he constantly stares down his first receiver it's really bad but it's probably because that's the best that receiver is probably one of the only ones who will get open uh, most of the time and um, we'll, we might actually mention that receiver later down the road uh, when we get to the receiver section but he constantly stares down that receiver, uh, that first receiver. He doesn't really manipulate defenses. Um, like, he just kind of, like, he, he almost force feeds receivers uh, a lot, right? And so he does have a powerful arm. And so he'll overly trust his arm, I would say, and try to force feed receivers. Like, he'll throw it into triple, double coverage, like, con- consistently, I would say. And it's, it's kind of a bit. You don't really see him go through progressions. And so that kind of just makes me think that, he like right off the bat like if he was to go to a d1 situation where he was to start right away he would struggle against more complicated defenses because uh yeah the shoot what is it called the centennial league it's one of the better leagues in colorado no doubt um but it's still colorado football and i think that's something to keep in mind as well it's not like he's playing against a you know stacked d1 secondaries by any means and so that's important to keep in mind uh, with that and so all those things and then last but not least well okay actually sorry I have two more things one of those when he throws a deep which he can't throw deep uh, his pinpoint accuracy and ball placement sorry his pinpoint accuracy and ball placement just isn't as good like he's not really gonna throw many great super accurate dots like either up the seams or down the sideline um, in corners, tight spots like that, like he, most of the throws he makes are usually, they're solid n- enough throws, but they're like 50-50 balls, to be honest, ball placement wise. And so 
uh, that honestly just takes, you know, he just has to practice at bat, like getting, getting in the rhythm of, um, you know, or getting in the habit of practicing deep pinpoint accuracy balls. Uh, Russell Wilson, he has a very good routine with that, so maybe you should check out that, do some of the things that he does, and with the potential and offers that he'll get, he probably will get the opportunity to do that as well. But let's stop talking about the negatives. Let's go ahead and get into the strengths. Cody, do you mind if I start off? Go for it. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he has a powerful arm. In my opinion, he probably has... <sighs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I think arm power-wise, he has the strongest arm in the entire state. He could literally throw it over the Rocky Mountains. I think that's important. <laughs> <laughs> that's important to throw out there. Like, And it's not even, like, in my opinion, he doesn't even really engage his hips and his abs as well as he could, which means there's a lot more potential there. And so that's extremely good to see because most of it is just him using his arm and throwing it. But... Like I said, we're going over strengths. So he has an extremely good arm. Uh, possibly the best throwing arm altogether in Colorado right now. Um, yeah, and then another thing, he in the pocket, he senses pressure really well, which is good because it's almost all the time. <laughs> so, so, But he knows where it's coming from too. It's not just like, oh, I know somebody's coming at me and then he gets jittery. It's like, oh, I know exactly where the pressure's coming from. Climbs the pocket. Bam, throws a strike. It's very fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. He does it consistency, consistently. And he shows a lot of good poise in the pocket. Um, like I said, it's probably because there's a lot of pressure in there all the time. But he can throw against the pressure. Like, it almost, you could kind of see it, like, in the way he plays. Like, he almost loves to throw against pressure. Because what he does, um, well, usually when you're throwing against pressure, that means that a receiver, a receiver is either wide open or they have the ability to be wide open. And he almost always finds that open receiver and makes it happen. Uh, another thing, he has really good running ability. Unlike Jordan, his running ability is definitely more Cam Newton-like. Like, he's not going to be super elusive or juke somebody out. But he's going to lower his shoulder because he's 6'3", 210. And in my opinion, he has an NFL body, right? As a 19 or 18-year-old, I don't know how old he is. And so he has an NFL body as a teenager, and he'll punish somebody. And there are plenty of times where he'll just simply, like, go all Leonard Fournette on, on a defender. And it's kind of scary because he's a quarterback. Um, so, yeah. Footwork on dropbacks, usually consistent. They don't vary. There are some quarterbacks whose dropbacks are very, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's a little weird, and it's not super consistent. But with uh, Leslie... LR3, we're going to start calling him that right here. You could patent that too, Leslie, but LR3 right here, um, extremely consistent with his footwork. Also, does isn't he the only quarterback on this list that takes snaps from under center? Yeah. Okay. He's the only one I've seen take, and it's not like a couple. It's quite a few snaps under right. center. Right, yeah. I'm trying to remember what kind of offense they run. It's, it's kind of like I... Pro type. It's it's a pretty pro style offense when yeah. they juggle between their eye form, their single back, and their, you know, when they do run s quote spread, it's usually like a three by one or a oh, two so by it's two. Not that bad. So it, okay. it's very pro style. Mo most of the teams in Centennial League kind of run the same offense. Well, that's a plus too because it is a pro style thing. So you could fit in a lot of different, um, you know, in a lot of different systems. I mean, you could probably make it as a, 
spread quarterback because he could run. But playing in the pro style, that's a very big plus for me as well. Um, yeah, he drives the ball pretty... I think I put on here he drives the ball well, but I, the more I watch, I'm pretty sure it's just his arm. Uh, I'd like to see him use his hips and abs again, like I said. Um, good timing on throws. Throws a, in my opinion, he throws a very wide variety of routes. So he throws it all over the field. He spreads the ball pretty well. He's not just like an inside the hashes or outside the hashes guy. Like he could throw, he could make pretty much all of the throws arm power wise, in my opinion. And with that, he has pretty solid placement uh, when throwing over the middle specifically. I think that's what I said. And then last thing. Because I don't want to take everything from you, <laughs> but he's a he's a very well respected uh, leader. Um, I've looked through social media and just the things that people have said about him, different articles. But he's a very well respected leader. He definitely commands an offense. There's no questions about his leadership at all. Um, and yeah, and he's overused on offense to be honest, which means that he can carry the load. And so he leads the teams consistently, his team consistently in rushes, rushing yards, passing yards, passing touchdowns. I brought this up earlier off uh, offline, but I said if he could catch it and they could throw it to him, he'd probably do that too. And I think there was a couple of plays on the highlight reel where he did do that. And so with all that being said, in my opinion, I'm confident confident enough to say that talent wise, he's an NFL guy. Um, even maybe a fifth round and up NFL guy with a lot of those physical tools. So yeah, go ahead, Cody. What do you got? Well, I really like calling him LR3, so there we go. I'm going to keep rolling with that. But yeah, I'm going to repeat some of the things that Simon said, but kind of change up the details that I saw in those, in those same things. So LR3, yeah, his arm strength is probably the best in the state because it is arm strength it's yeah. just his arm and you know he a lot of his throws i talked about it before are off of his back foot and he's the one thing that i really like about lr3 is he's probably the toughest son of a gun on this list oh yeah because he hangs in for hits he takes hits and absorbs them and still delivers throws like an nfl quarterback yeah. like that's insane to me the mental toughness of that and the patience and willingness to to take and he gets hit pretty hard too like yeah he gets rocked <laughs> like there's some you know and we'll talk about it down the road but there's some good D linemen and linebackers in the Centennial League specifically where you face off against Grandview you face off against Cherry Creek yeah those are talented defenses that are absolutely rocking his freaking you know, they're destroying. <laughs> they're destroying him. Yeah, they're yeah. destroying him. And you kind of have to because he's six three two ten. Yeah, and he he physically can. And but I think the mental fortitude is the most impressive part about that. Uh, part about that for me is hanging in there and still delivering the ball right where it needs to be with just his arm. You oh, can't yeah. set your feet when you're getting lifted off the ground. Nope. But so he he's able to deliver throws all over the field with literally just his arm alone. I will say another thing about Les, or about LR3 is his ability to keep plays alive. Uh, a lot of that's out of necessity, like we've talked about, you know, when sensing pressure. But he'll run around for a minute and still find somebody by the first down marker to throw the ball to. Yeah. And, you know, it, originally it's like second and nine, but it ends up being a 30-yard throw because of how much he has to buy time and run around and zigzag serpentine and yeah. still ends up making the play. Uh, that's super impressive at the high school level. And 
you know, he's super elusive. Like, you know, when he runs upfield, he runs upfield. But when he's evading defenders, he can also evade defenders. You know, it, multiple times he was able to sidestep defenders and give them a stiff arm and just shove them into the ground pretty effortlessly. Uh, and that that was super awesome to see. Man, I, I might watch LR3's film again after this, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, Simon talked about the great ball placement, you know, in the middle of the field. But I think that LR3 has the best back shoulder throws in the state as well. You know, he's able to put just enough touch on it and he puts it in the only place where the receiver can make a play on it like i don't think any offensive coordinator in the state has the same flexibility with route combinations or specific like fade routes and back shoulder fades are hard to throw they're they're not easy throws so when i see lr3 making back shoulder throws from the 25 yard line into the end zone 30-yard back shoulder fades, there's some NFL quarterbacks that can't make those throws. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. There there are NFL quarterbacks who can't make those throws. Um, And you literally might see one starting on Sunday or two or three. I'm not going to say names. (laughs) But, you know, LR3 has, has an NFL arm. And it's really scary to think of how dangerous he could be if he has one lineman in front of him who could block and, <laughs> and allow his mechanics to yeah. really develop into that next level. And oh, yeah. I think as far as outlook goes, Simon already talked about it. I think LR3 has NFL physical tools. And I think he's most certainly a power five player. Oh yeah. And, and if you're a power five, I, I would like LR3 to still have a red shirt year. Sure. Uh, that's Mo- never a bad idea, by the way. Yeah, no, no, no. It's definitely not a bad idea. And I think here's the reason why I think you should do it, like most importantly is, you know, let let him get some snaps in where he can start to trust and build trust back up. Simon talked about, you know, these habits, they start to become a part of your, you know, brain and they're hard to shake, especially after, like, this dude going to have PTSD every time he drops back on a rollout play yeah. under center after playing at Smoky Hill for the past few years. So I think that reestablishing that trust in your linemen, reestablishing that trust in your backs to pick up blocks, your tight ends and such is going to be huge. And I, cause I think he's willing to trust his receivers on basically anything. His receivers made some pretty good plays at Smoky Hill. Yeah. But I think inside the box specifically is where he needs to work the most on his mechanics and i think the first step with that is establishing trust and i think by redshirting him you afford that time to build trust okay yeah i mean i 100 percent agree um do you was that kind of your outlook or did you want to talk on that that's outlook that's kind of my forward. outlook i i didn't want to go too too much further <clears throat> in there is okay i, I do want to say that lr3 faced the hardest competition out of any of these quarterbacks yeah. Uh, by say. a pretty significant gap, I'd even say. You know, you have Cherry Creek, who's competing for another state championship this year. Grandview is constantly a pretty tough matchup. You know, it's a really competitive league outside of, like, Overland and Smoky Hill, where usually the games that, you know... I'd get a chance to play some positions that I normally wouldn't get to play. So, like... Okay, okay. Um, 
and, and I think that even like a pretty solid like I think it was like a 43 to 7 win or something like that against Pooter I think that's pretty respectable too so cool. uh, the competition is that's another reason why I'm so highly sold on LR3 and why I even thought about putting him at number one for a little bit yeah what uh, was the competition so i think that is definitely something to keep in mind oh yeah no for sure and i i thought about it too i really i thought about it for a bit because and this is just something to throw out there last year myself and former podcast host um jesse Boonen, we we scouted uh lr3 and we looked at him we looked at aiden and we both decided at that moment that he was probably as a junior what a top three, top two quarterback in the state already. No doubt about it. Uh, just based on power and all of that stuff. And he was a little bit bigger back then. But he also did slim down, which is a good sign as well. Um, you know, just being able to move a little bit better. But, yeah. So, uh, we've been high on him. So, it was hard putting him in at two. And I really did consider him at one. But there are some limitations there. But with LR3, I think, yeah, he should redshirt. He's a power five guy for sure. Uh, when it comes down to programs, look, I'm not going to make the college decision for him. But I do think that there are some programs that I would rather like to see him at um, more than others. And so one of those, I want to say, is... Oh my god, what is it? I want to say it's either Arizona or Arizona State, whichever one is coached by Herm Edwards. Do you know? That's what? Arizona State. Okay, Arizona State. I want, him to, I want to see him go to ASU. Uh, well, first things first, it's a fun school. <laughs> so there's that. So fun college experience, all that stuff. Second thing, Herm Edwards and that stuff, he has a lot, I mean a lot, of NFL former NFL coaches, former NFL players, <clears throat> former, I guess, just NFL guys all together on his staff over at Arizona State. And I think if he was to go there, get mentored by Herm Edwards, all them boys, he has a very good shot at going to the next level. I would like to see him go to an experienced, um, you know, I'd like to see him go to an experienced uh, coaching staff for sure, like a Herm Edwards, or even if he gets uh, SEC offers, maybe a Texas A&M potentially. I don't think he will get an Oklahoma <laughs> offer, but that'd be great too. I'd like to see him go somewhere where he could be challenged even more and not just be leaned on as that guy like he was at Smoky Hill. I like to see him get challenged in ways where he's playing against bigger, better competition and not just carrying everything. You know, so a chance to win is what I'm saying. So that's that's kind of where I'd like to see him go. Because I think he has the ability to go pretty much almost anywhere, in my opinion. That's fair. His Currently, his only offer at this moment in time is Cornell. Which is blasphemous, but yeah. okay. But he does have interest from ASU, Cal, CU, and CSU. Uh, I definitely would have to agree with you that I like the idea of him going to Arizona State. Uh, Herm Edwards is a huge part of that. And I also think that, you know, I think that LR3 could have a legacy at ASU. I agree. And, you know, establish a culture for years to come at ASU specifically. Versus, I mean, Colorado is just so... I think they're dysfunctional right now. Yeah. The the coaching so. changes over the past few years have been pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so I'd want him to go somewhere more stable than <clears> that. <throat> and then CSU, I, I think, well, we know who the other offer to CSU is, so I don't really want to see him compete there. Compete there. Yeah. Um, but I do really like ASU. And I wouldn't mind Cal. 
But, you know, Cal uh. already has, you know, a, a culture of sorts, and they already have, like, uh, you know, a legacy of players who've been there. But at ASU, he can create his own path. Oh, yeah, for so. sure. I think Cal would be a tough... I don't know if I trust that coaching staff a ton, which sounds bad, but I just don't. So I think ASU would be great. If they offer him, which they should, I think you should take it. And then I think with Herm Edwards in that squad, he could potentially even win the Pac-12 with just how things are shaking out in the Pac-12 right now. Um, because there are a lot of quarterbacks that are going to leave by the time he's going to be able to start. So, good looks. But with that being said... Coming up next, we're going to talk a couple honorable mentions really quick, and then our number one quarterback in the state. Coming up next. Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. Here we are going to continue our Colorado Playmakers segment, Football Edition. This week on the Football Edition of Colorado's Playmakers, we have top five quarterbacks. If you somehow just jumped this far into the episode without listening to the rest... The numbers five through two quarterbacks in the state of Colorado, starting at five, are Liam O'Brien, Griffin Loritano, Jordan Wolverton, and Leslie Richardson III, aka LR3. That is five, four, three, two. And we have number one coming up, but but first we have some honorable mentions. Simon, you have a huge honorable mention uh, to start <clears throat> us off. Yeah, so that honorable mention would have to be Julian Hammond III. He's a dual-threat quarterback, 6'2", 180, out of Cherry Creek High School, the defending state champs um, in, is it 4A or 5A, Cody? 5A. In 5A, so very impressive. Um, obviously, right now he's uncommitted, but he is committed to play basketball at CU because at the moment he is averaging 24 points and 7 assists a game. So, uh Honestly, I'm not going to spend too much time on him. He would probably easily be in the top three, maybe even top two uh, quarterbacks in the state. He'd be in that conversation for sure. But, you know, we really want to cover guys uh, who will go on and, you know, continue to play the sport that we're talking about, which is football and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, don't get it twisted. Julian Hammond third. he is definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the state. He has a rocket arm. He could run it. He's probably the best scrambler, to be honest. And, you know, he's a big reason why uh, this Cherry Creek this Cherry Creek team uh, won last year and is on the road to win potentially another one this year. We'll have to see. But, yeah, Julian Hammond third. He's someone that we left off this list, but he's definitely deserving to be on here. Um if it wasn't for the fact that he's committed to play basketball at the University of Colorado. So. Awesome. Yeah, so that's the uh, first honorable mention. And uh, at least, as far as we know, the only one who isn't trying to continue to play football, uh, to the extent of our knowledge. The second honorable mention that we want to bring up is Jack Hannenberg out of Ponderosa High School. Uh, You know... I, I really liked his film, and actually on my top five, I had him at number five, you know, of my personal list, but, you know, Playmakers Corner releases one list, as we explained at the beginning. But, yeah, Jack Hannenberg, you know, he's he's a good quarterback, the only lefty on this list who was even considered. Good velocity, quick release, you know, put up some pretty good numbers this year, 1,078 yards, 11 TDs to four picks, also has nine rushing touchdowns. 
you know, has, and I think could potentially go somewhere if redshirted, uh, maybe D2 or FCS. You know, it's pretty hard being a left-handed quarterback. Just in general, it's harder to find the same kind of guidance. But yeah, Hannenberg made some good plays this year. Still has some things to work on. Didn't see too many deep balls on his film and, uh, you know, throws into traffic, but excellent velocity and could definitely potentially play Division II football, I believe. So that's Jack Hannenberg from Ponderosa. And we have one more honorable mention before we get to number one. Simon, tell us about Chase Silva. <clears throat> yeah, so Chase Silva, he's a dual threat quarterback um, out of Longmont. That's Skyline. where it is. Well, no, I know, but like Skyline High School is in. Oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's from he's from the city of Longmont, but he plays for Skyline High School. Um, look, for me, he was really close to making this list. I don't. I think he ended up just outside for me on my list. But you know, he's somebody who. Uh, honestly, he's just very raw, right? He's a very athletic quarterback with a great arm. He's He has really good running ability. I think out of everyone on this list, he might be one of the more shiftier ones uh, on here. And honestly, he's he's really good. You know, he's carried the Skyline team this year in 2020 during the COVID era. And in addition, last year as well. But this year, he definitely turned on a switch. And he's been playing extremely well. Um, I don't have his senior stats, but junior year, he threw for 31 touchdowns to 8 interceptions, which is not bad at all. And then he also added a lot of yards on the ground and a couple of touchdowns as well. Pretty sure he hit double-digit uh, touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, that is. Um... Biggest thing with him is just his mechanics and I, well, okay. I wouldn't just say yeah, actually never mind I would say his mechanics all together not like lower body or upper body. I'd probably say all of it um, His footwork needs some you know, it needs some improvement his throwing motion needs some improvement I will say that between his sophomore year and junior years and junior and senior year He has made some significant improvements Especially from junior to senior year when it comes to his throwing motion. It looks a lot more natural um, Very much more suited for him less clunky as well, but you know, there's still ways to go uh, in addition he he's really a, I, I hate to call him this, but he is kind of a one-read quarterback he uh, barely goes through his progressions, to be honest, but that's just mostly because his first guy is almost always open. And if he's not, then he would take off and run, and he's always a threat on the ground for sure to take it to the house, to be honest. So there's a lot of that. But he has he's, he has a lot of good qualities to him. Like I said, he's 6'1", 185. He's extremely athletic. Could probably play another position. Um, <clears throat> he's made improvements every year. He has a 3.5 GPA. And then from what I've heard and from what I've uh, seen, he, he has very good intangibles. He's highly regarded as a leader on and off the field. You know, people like him a lot. He works really hard. And yeah, so I think honestly, he's probably a D2 quarterback just because he has a lot of work to do and whatnot. But I could definitely see him becoming an FCS starter and potentially a really good one if he could get things cleaned up and figure it out. Um, you know, he has plenty of time, but there are some, you know, there's there's a good amount of things he has to go through mentally, in my opinion, for him to uh, get there. All right, Cody. So, Chase Silva, he did play for Skyline, which means he was in the third division, which, uh, 3A, right? Which is, oh, 4A? Mm -hmm. Okay, so sorry. My, excuse me. Skyline was playing in 4A, which means uh, Cody's team, uh, who he coached this 
this season actually got to play them this year. So, Cody, why don't you tell us a little bit about Chase Silva here since you have firsthand experience. Well, he tore us up, Simon. Uh, there's, there's really no light way to put it. Uh, he was dominant, and we knew game plan-wise heading into the week that the offense was built around Chase Silva mm-hmm. and that he knew how to run it perfectly. Skyline was a great team this year. They ended up going 5-1. and one. You know, yep. and they they had some good opponents too. They faced off against Loveland and took them to overtime, and you know they they go against the Longmonts of the world and stuff like that. So, you know, <clears throat> and he had a heck of a game against us. He was responsible for four TDs, two passing and two rushing, and uh, you know that was on par for his whole season where he ended up passing for eleven touchdowns and rushing for eleven touchdowns. So yeah, like you were mentioning, you know, super huge threat on the ground. And, uh, no, we, we knew what to expect. We knew what routes were going to be thrown, but he still was just able to get it done. And every team knows what to expect, and they just still run the same things. So that, that, that's also kind of a testament to uh, Silva's dominance at this level in high school. And, you know, uh, there's definitely some potential, uh, maybe somewhere, you know, Division two probably. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, he's raw. You know, he athletically, I feel like he's there. <laughs> it's just, it's there's some little details there that he just needs to work on. You know, but he will get there. And you know, we wish him the best of luck and whatnot. And this goes to all of our honorable mention quarterbacks, as, along with all the guys you already mentioned. Hey, feel free to DM us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even TikTok if that's your thing. You know, and um, we'll ha- we'll we'll be more than happy to have you on the show talk about your game, and then go deeper into your game even if we can as well. But you know, best of luck to all those quarterbacks. I know Chase Silva, uh, he has a playoff. He had a playoff game earlier today. So by the time this comes out, y'all will know whether Skyline's still in or out. But they should be good. They should be. So with that being said, let's talk about the number one quarterback in the state. Probably one of the best quarterback prospects. In a minute to come from Colorado, I would say. And that is Luke McAllister, the 6'5", 200-pound quarterback from Palmer Ridge High School. He is a three-star CSU Colorado State commit. And then in my opinion, overall, out of all the players, um, I do believe he is a top five recruit in the state. Deservingly so. Maybe even top three. So, there's that. But how do you want to go about this? Do you want to go positives, negatives? It's up to you. Well, I honestly think that if we talk negatives, it'll be really short because All right, let's do it. I was nitpicking pretty hard when looking at Luke McAllister film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd say that, man, it's just so hard to ding him because even like the really teeny tiny things that he doesn't do perfectly, other parts of his game more than make up for it. So he kind of has like a wind up release. I call it kind of like a lap where, you know, he kind of, like, goes down and around for his release. So, you know, that's not the fastest release, but he still gets it off super fast. Um, So, you know, he kind of takes too much time on his release, but that's something that I think could easily be fixed and make him even more dangerous. And then while watching Luke McAllister film, I don't know if it's just, like, a personal thing for me, but I'm not a huge fan of flat feet at the end of drops. So, like, it's kind of Josh Allen-esque, if you know what I'm saying, where he gets to the back (coughs) of his drop... And then he just, he's still, you know, mm-hmm. as he looks through the field. Um, and then I'd say that the only other concern that I have about Luke McAllister is, you know, 
I mean, he throws it into tight coverage, and I don't know if that'll translate to the next level of competition super well, but that's kind of it for me. Uh, what what are some things that you had to nitpick with <coughs> Luke McAllister? And you even know a bit more about Luke, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I do know a bit more about Luke. Um, I've, I've been able to watch Palmer Ridge for a really long time now. Uh, and then I do know some of their players and whatnot. And I know, pl- I know plenty of players who have played against them. Uh, being from Colorado Springs, Palmer Ridge is... They, they dominate the... They run the Springs, let's be honest. They run the Springs, they run Southern Colorado, and they probably run Colorado... I, I don't want to say they run Colorado, but I'm confident in saying they run Southern Colorado pretty confidently, or they have been in the last couple years. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I do I do know him pretty well. I've gotten to see him develop through the years after he took the reins from... Um, his, uh, from his predecessor, Ty Evans, who was an Elite 11 quarterback. He was one of the best in the state, if I wasn't mistaken. Um, and he's doing his thing over at the University of South Carolina right now. But with that being said, let me go over negatives real quick before we go into positives. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have a lot, a lot of the same stuff you said. His releases, it's uh, it's slower, right? Like, there's definitely a wind-up. Uh, I, I'm probably going to make this comparison again. But it reminds me a lot of Carson Wentz's release. I feel like, well, just in general, both of them, they have a lot of things in common. But I think that is something that will probably continue to come up. I don't think it will be the biggest issue moving forward. uh, But it's something to keep an eye on, you know. Um, It's just something that he needs to keep an eye on, too. And obviously, he knows himself. He knows his body and whatnot, so he'll figure that out. But it's just something to keep in mind. You know, just a longer release, so that could probably be improved on. There are a couple other mechanics that could be, like, you know, that could be uh, tweaked as well, refined, I would say. And he has made a lot, I would say, a lot of progress year by year. A lot like Chase Silva, I would say. And he's gotten much better as uh, as time has went on. Um, biggest thing, though, with those mechanics, probably footwork. I would like to see him climb the pocket more. I, th- I think he does a good job of, like, you know, standing tall in the pocket and making those throws and stepping into throws. But I do, w- I would like to see him manipulate the pocket a little bit well. We've seen a little bit of that. I just think he could do it much more and extend plays a little bit longer. Just a little bit, you know. So, just keeping that in mind. Uh, let me see. I would also say his base when he throws vary from throw to throw. And that's even when he has a clean pocket. And usually, because it's Palmer Ridge, uh, they do. It's It could be inconsistent. I'm not going to lie. It could be inconsistent. The ball still gets there, but sometimes the base is a little narrow. Sometimes it's too wide, in my opinion. And it, it could use some work. Not, nothing that he probably couldn't do this offseason, to be honest. And then last but not least, uh, he played on a stacked team. The, uh, even this year, like this is probably... I don't want to say the least talented <laughs> they've been in a while, but they lost a lot of players last year between their starting running back. I want to say Raif Ruel. I might be butchering that name so bad. R-A-E-F-R-U-E-L. Something like that. He was a stud. He was a power back. He was able to carry the load for a really long time so that McAllister didn't have to, you know, do too much. And then obviously he has great receivers. Deuce Roberson from last year. He was a beast. He has another one. I want to say it's Caden Dudley this year, who's a good one, who will probably make an appearance on this list um, moving forward as well. So he has some guys, and then their defense is always very well coached, very disciplined. There's some dudes who 
um, are to be reckoned with, to be honest. And so that, that you know, that obviously some people take that with a grain of salt and whatnot, but I think it's important to keep in mind the powerhouses because he did play for a powerhouse even though he was a big part of their success. But with that being said, let's talk about the positives. Cody, you could start. Yeah, well, I'll try not to steal too much, but there really is a lot to like. Oh, you're er- good. Earlier, I said that uh, Griffin Loritano had the second best mechanics in the state, in my opinion. Number one is right here in Luke McAllister. I think he's very polished as far as, you know, his dropbacks and, you know, making reads and standing tall in the pocket. Um, and, yeah, his, his footwork, you know, n- nothing is perfect, but he's definitely the best in the state at dropbacks, stepping up. He's best in the state as far as going through reads, I'd say. Yes. Uh, you know, and I'd say... While his base may not be consistent, his drops are. Um, I do trust Luke McAllister, even though I've seen him take snaps from shotgun the majority of the time, I trust him to take snaps under center. You can just see it with his footwork that he'll be able to create depth, for sure, on under center dropbacks. And Luke McAllister, I think more than anybody else, is so good at throwing his receivers open, and he has an incredible arm. We talked about... LR3 having probably the strongest arm, but McAllister has the most fundamentally sound rocket out of any of these quarterbacks. Like Simon said, you know, using other parts of your body like your hips and your core to to deliver throws, as well as, you know, he's good at using his legs as well. And that's why he's able to just throw it so deep. I mean, it's just such a clean pass downfield every single time with Luke McAllister. So, and, and he has incredible velocity on his passes too he's able to squeeze it into some windows that you know i i definitely while watching it thought could have been a pick but with you know just with the intensity of the ball it just was not going to get intercepted so he he's really good at knowing his capabilities and he's super fundamentally sound on top of having some solid raw physical tools and that equates to a solid good quarterback in Luke McAllister. Very true. Yeah. Um, to, so to add on to that, I think, and I'm going to, I added this as a strength, as a positive, but other than, you know, obviously the great coaching he had over at Palmer Ridge, because they do have a fine coaching staff over there, easily one of the best in the state. Um, he was mentored, or at least in my opinion, he was mentored by Ty Evans. I mentioned him earlier. He was one of the best quarterbacks in Colorado. Uh, a couple years ago. Also, my bad. I think I said the wrong college. I don't know why I said South Carolina. I think it's because their colors are the same. But he, he goes to NC State, actually. He's the second guy on NC State. I'm pretty sure it's just because both their colors are red and it's Carolina. But excuse me there. But anyways, Ty Evans, he's doing his thing over at NC State. He was an Elite 11 quarterback, so he got to do his thing and whatnot. And, and not just regionals, but like he was there, you know, he was, he was there to compete with some of the best in the nation. And so I think Luke McAllister really benefited from having a guy like Ty Evans to kind of look up to, to, to see what he did to win his state rings. And then Luke went on and did his own. And I, well, at least I believe, I think he got a state ring. Um, like, because how, how should I say this? He got his own state ring as in he earned it by playing. Obviously that's what I meant there. Um, but yeah, anyways, 
He was mentored by one of the best, and I think a lot of that really just transitioned forward because Luke McAllister, in my opinion, is is a better quarterback than Ty Evans in a lot of different ways. I feel um, he's first off he's bigger. He has great prototypical quarterback size. Uh, he's listed at six five two hundred, but I think. Yeah, so Luke McAllister, in my opinion, has a way better frame than Ty Evans did coming out of college. Ty Evans was a little bit shorter, around 6'2", 190. Uh, McAllister's already at 6'5", 200. And even between junior and senior year, he looks like he's bulked up a lot. Uh, to the point where I feel like he could definitely start right now for CSU if he wanted to. Um, but just going over some of the strengths, you know, his arm talent is it's, it's phenomenal. I'm just going to be honest. It's phenomenal. You know, he has a really strong arm. He has probably, oh my God, his touch on his throws are uh, fantastic. And so that blend allows him to, you know, throw, so, throw into those tight windows, make those NFL throws, and, you know, uh, bail out some of his receivers sometimes because sometimes they don't get the best separation, even though he does have some good ones out there. In addition, I do think he's very good at extending plays. He's mobile enough. He's mobile enough as a quarterback. Uh, wouldn't say he's a dual threat per se, but he could definitely make some people miss and you know extend the play to the point where he could throw a 30 or 40 yard bomb. Um, well, without issue, to be honest, without issue. And that kind of brings me to my next thing. Um, he has great timing on his throws. You know, consistently, whether he's in the pocket, out of the pocket, whatever. Uh, his chemistry with his receivers are very good. That might be just a personal thing, but at the same time, I do think there's just a lot of natural talent there. Just being able to always be good with his timing. Ball placement's always pretty good as well. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah. And then, let me see so I don't miss anything. Uh... I think I put down here, he does not shy away from contact, so he steps into his throws, senses pressure pretty well, and then relatively well. And then last but not least, this is the thing that separates him from everyone else, but he's the best at reading defenses. I don't think there's a defense in Colorado that could stop Luke McAllister, and I mean that. Um, he's not going to get fooled. He knows where you're at, and he does a really good job at manipulating defenses, moving safeties with his eyes, recognizing zones, recognizing blitzes, throwing um, towards where blitzers are coming from, all that great stuff, all the great stuff you see in an NFL-caliber quarterback. And so, with that being said, let's talk outlook. So, he's been committed to CSU for almost two years now. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Because I am neither someone who went to CSU or CU or whatever. But I think he is much better than CSU. I think he's a Power 5 guy for sure. He's at least a Pac-12 guy. And in my opinion, I do think he could start for most teams. Um, for a lot of teams, to be honest. And I'm... I, look, I don't, I don't want to slander CSU, but I'm just going to say, you know, Ty Evans, for the longest time, was committed to CU up until his senior year. After that... He decommitted uh, because there was some instability with the coaching staff there. And then he went to NC State, which is a way better program with way better quarterback coaches and way better tools to get him to the NFL. I wouldn't mind if Luke McAllister decommitted from CSU and went to a Pac-12 school. Maybe even Arizona State would be nice. Not going to lie. <laughs> I know I said that for, less, for LR3, but I think Arizona State would be nice. Um, even Arizona. Arizona too, yeah. I think he could succeed there. Oh yeah, for sure. But I also do think that potentially he could definitely thrive 
Okay, I don't want to say definitely, but I think he could do a solid enough job at an SEC school. Uh, and with just the way the SEC is turning out, they are turning out some very good quarterbacks lately. And so I'm looking at a Florida who's going to be needing another quarterback pretty soon who pretty soon here once Kyle Trask leaves because I'm pretty sure he's a senior. Um, Florida, who else? LSU for sure <laughs> could use a new quarterback. They need one. I think that'd be a great fit as well. Um, I don't know. There, there's a lot. There's pretty. There's not a lot of teams that I wouldn't say he'd be a great fit for. But I do think he's an NFL guy. He's someone who, if everything goes right, he could be a fourth round pick. Um, at least, potentially even a first round pick. I already compared him to Carson Wentz. I do think there's a lot of similarities between him and Carson Wentz there. And I don't know. I just think he's very good. So, I don't know. I, I'm going to admit my bias. I've seen this kid play in person. I know people who have played against him. So, I, I know the hype is real. So, I'm just going to check that right there. But, Cody, what do you think about Luke McAllister here? Yeah. Um, you know, Luke McAllister, super talented quarterback. And just... Really solid. I, I have to definitely agree that Luke McAllister could be a plug-and-play guy right now um, on a lot of teams. I think that, you know, even a, like a place like Oregon State even, yes. uh, he could definitely play there day one. I think in a lot of Pac-12 situations favor him, and I think that he could thrive and make a lot of teams better. Uh, I think that... <clears throat> but he's playing with some good talent at Palmer Ridge. And I, I kind of want to see what happens when he has to compensate a bit more for maybe some positions that are lacking at certain schools. But I do think that he, he needs to go somewhere where he could be nurtured more. I, no offense to any of the staff at CSU, but they're just getting established. And you talked about it before the show too. Adazio is a defensive coach. That is... You know, that's very obvious. He turns out NFL talent on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, I don't know if that would necessarily be the best place for McAllister. And I just don't think that Colorado schools are... They're just really not taken seriously as far as producing quarterbacks to go to the next level. So I definitely think that he needs to go somewhere else. I love the idea of him going to the Pac-12. I think that he could also be an ACC quarterback as well. Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I think that he he thrive in the ACC. Um, I I think if he went SEC, if he got an opportunity, I think redshirting in the SEC would be a oh bit yeah better. yeah. I, I mean, obviously redshirting is good overall, but I honestly li love the idea of seeing McAllister play day one for a Pac-12 team. So that's kind of where I'm at, and I definitely think that you know he. he as far as everything goes right, he'd be a fifth round, fourth round guy for sure. And, you know, could see some snaps in the NFL someday. I I don't want to put that past him. You know, I don't want to put uh, any projections on what happens in the NFL. But I'd love for him, I'd love for him here in a few years to go for the draft and to do another breakdown on him, if I'm being completely honest, on his college film. So, yeah. you know... No, no pressure, Luke, but we'd love to do another film breakdown on you uh, in the future, you know, when, if you're bulking up for the NFL. So, gearing up for the NFL. Yep. 
And with that being said, we have some breaking news here. Uh, so Palmer Ridge, uh, the school that Luke McAllister plays for, actually had a playoff game today against Pine Creek. Uh, it was not close. Palmer Ridge blew them out 32-7 to <laughs> in, uh, in kind of a shocking way. That's the biggest margin that – I'm going to edit out that laugh. That was nice. But that was the biggest margin uh, of victory by either of these teams in the, in the short rivalry that they've had in the last – 10 years basically so that's big time pine creek has some really good defensive players on that squad uh yeah they were two and three it kind of seems like they're often struggled a bit but you know luke McAllister finessing that day one win uh i do not know which team is up next but you know they are off to a good start since pine creek you know that is uh well, I guess it's not an inner city rival, but you know, it's a it's an inner regional rivalry. I would say Pine Creek, Pine Creek, and Palmer Ridge. So uh, there he goes, goes ahead and gets his first win of his senior season here. Would love to see this guy on the next level. I do think I agree with you, Cody. If he goes SEC or even uh, Big Ten, I'd like to see a redshirt year because he needs he needs to. How should I say this? He needs to adapt to that play on the next level. And with his progression every year, I don't think he can't, but it's a it's a good look. So with that being said, uh, honestly, I really don't have much to say. There's a ton of really good quarterbacks here, uh, but like we've been saying, Luke McAllister stands out over all of them. If <laughs> Just being the best, you know, just being the best one to go through his reads and, you know, really dissect the defense. So... Yeah, but with that being said, uh, Cody, do you have anything else to add on? I don't think I have anything else to add on other than, you know, Liam O'Brien, Griffin, Jordan, Leslie, Luke, uh, Jack, and Chase. Silva? Yep. Oh, do you want well, to put I'm, I'm, Julian Hammond too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, all of you fellas, you are more than welcome to reach out to us. You could find us. Playmakers Corner, all one word on Instagram. We are also on Twitter at Playmaker Corner. And we are also on Facebook, Playmakers Corner, spelled, you know, with a posh VS, space corner. You can find us on all those social medias. Please DM us, reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show, you know, for a potential interview. See what has been going through your mind as you're going through this commitment process and share your insight with up-and-coming football players you know and we're hoping to do more editions of these throughout the years and sharing your story with us you know you can find it like i said instagram twitter facebook and once again if there's any coaches parents friends aspiring athletes who hear this show please share this with your other friends your your sons your daughters or whatever playmakers corner we're on spotify apple podcasts anchor google podcasts and almost anywhere else you can find a podcast Reach out to hear your side of the story. And also, if you are listening, check the show notes for Huddle Highlight film on all of these players as well as their Twitter handles. Yep. Uh, I don't think you mentioned this, but also we're on TikTok now. So true. find us on TikTok at, uh, I think it's just Playmakers Corner? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so find us on TikTok at Playmakers Corner. All one word. Um, well, we're the only thing that comes up anyways. <laughs> so we already have two videos on there with most of these players. Actually, I think 
with almost all of these players, uh, we're going to make sure that we put together a little highlight reel and we'll clip together some stuff there as well. Get some of their clout out there, help them out a little bit. Because I'm going to be honest, a lot of these guys, they deserve better offers than they've been having now. I know COVID's a thing. I know it's, you know, well, obviously we all know COVID's a thing and whatnot, but recruiting is a definitely harder nowadays. So, yeah, make sure you check out our TikTok or DM us on TikTok as well. But with that being said, that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. Next week, I believe we're doing running backs. Yes. Next week, we're doing running backs, and there's... There's a lot. <laughs> There's going to be probably a lot more honorable mentions. This to go one's going to be a bit harder, I think. Oh, it's going to be way harder. Um, and this isn't a shot to the quarterbacks. I just think there's a bunch of younger quarterbacks out there that are, that are doing their thing. But yep, next week we'll be back with another edition of Colorado Playmakers Football Edition for the class of 2021. Until then, I'm one of your co-hosts, Simon Villanos. And I'm Cody Stoffer. Peace. Later. <laughs>